Good morning, everyone. Um, we are, as you know, we're, we're going to be in John chapter 13. If you have your Bibles with you, let's have a look at, at that chapter. Um, but it's a great morning here. We're going to be celebrating with Louise and Sam today. And it's always exciting when we have baptisms. Um, but what exactly are they doing here this morning? Well, I hope to answer that question a little bit, make it clearer for all of us. Um, but I think we need to start with a bigger question. Um, what do you think God is like? I've Googled it a couple of times this week. Um, you get lots of pictures of elderly men sitting on clouds. Um, the Michael, Michelangelo Sistine Chapel comes up a lot, um, along with William Blake's picture. You remember that of God with the calipers measuring out um, the universe there. Um, but lots and lots of cartoons. We tend to think that God is like um, an elderly man with a long white beard, maybe hurling a few thunderbolts or, as one cartoon had it, dropping pianos from the sky on unsuspecting people. Kind of a Zeus-like person, don't we? But what exactly should we picture? These are caricatures, they're, they're funny. But what should we picture when we ask ourselves, what is God like? Well, that's one of the questions that John in his gospel seeks to answer. And the very first sentence of the very first chapter, he says, in the beginning was the word. The word was with God and the word was God. He was in the beginning with God. The very first sentence there is the word is a title for Christ, Jesus. God is trying to tell us what he is like. He is trying to communicate to us through his word, a picture of who he is through his son, Jesus. He is everything that God wants to tell us about himself. And we know that the word has a personal relationship with God in that. The second verse, he says, he was in the beginning with God. And then John goes on in verse 14 to say, and the word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we have seen his glory, glory as of the only son from the father, full of grace and full of truth. God is trying to give us a picture of who he is through his son, Jesus. So maybe the question that we should be asking, not what does God look like, but what's Jesus like? Because that's our reflection there of who God is. So John then throughout the next 12 chapters, and we're not going to go into them all, but Jesus continues to say, you will see what I'm really like when my hour comes. And then it, when my hour comes, I will be glorified. If we want to get a sense of what God is like, we need to understand what Jesus is like when he is glorified. Over and over, he says that. And then we get to chapter 12. And in verse 23 there, Jesus finally says, the hour has come 
for the Son of Man to be glorified. We are about to get the picture of what God is like and, and what we should see. So the picture of, G- of God is not when Jesus is performing miracles. It's not when Jesus is healing. It's not when Jesus is teaching. All those times Jesus says, my hour has not yet come. And yet, here, he's about to be glorified. What would that look like? We had the coronation a few weeks ago. Will it look like a king on a throne? Or will it look like something else? And then we get to chapter 12. um, And then if we go on to um, 32, he says, When I am lifted up from the earth, I will draw all people to myself. He said this to show by what kind of death he was going to be glorified. It's a very different picture to the one we had a few weeks ago. Jesus is saying he will be glorified through his death. He came down from heaven. He stooped down. He will suffer. He will bleed. And then he will die. And in that moment, we will see who God is. In verse, in verse 44, he says, Jesus cried out and said, Whoever believes in me, believes not in me, but in him who sent me. And whoever sees me, has seen him who sent me. This is the picture that God has planned to reveal himself to us in glory. When we see God, we're supposed to see Jesus stooping, serving, suffering, bleeding and dying for the world. So Jesus is there. He's declared his hour has come. All eyes are on him to see what he will do next. And we're now at chapter 13. John says, now before the feast of the Passover, when Jesus knew that his hour had come to depart out of this world to the Father, having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. What does it look like when God shows up? It looks like love. A real, brutal, suffering love, but a love that loves somebody to the end. Paul, um, a man who wrote over half the New Testament, says in 1 Corinthians um, chapter 1, um, verse 18, For the word of the cross is folly to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved, it is power. That is what it looks like when God shows up. He goes on in 23. We preach Christ crucified, a stumbling block to some, but to those who are called Christ, the power of God and the wisdom of God. For the foolishness of God is wiser than men and the weakness of God is stronger than men. What should we see when we ask ourselves, what does God look like? Paul says, a man on a cross choking to death. That is power and that is wisdom. 
The Bible tells us this is the most divine thing we will ever get to understand. The night before Jesus died, he knew that his hour had come to depart out of the world, having loved his own who were in the world. He loved them to the end. This is the greatest act of love we will ever know. Verse 3 goes on to say, Jesus, knowing that the Father had given all things into his hand and that he had come from God and was going back to God. Jesus knew exactly who he was. There was no identity crisis here for Jesus. He knew where he came from. He knew what his job was, and he knew where he was going back to. So he rose from supper, laid aside his garments, and he served his disciples. We have so many problems today because we do not know who we are. We're looking for our, our identity in all kinds of places except for in Jesus. We fight against the truth, but Jesus knew who he was. He was secure in who he was, and so he was able to serve those around him. Verse 4 starts with, So, or therefore, he rose from supper, laid aside his outer garments, and taking a towel, tied it around his waist. Then he poured water into a basin and began to wash the disciples' feet and to wipe them with a towel that was wrapped around him. Jesus, who's come from the, the very throne room of God, is so secure in his identity. He knows exactly who he is, that he can take off his robe, his outer garment, and he can lay it to one side and become a servant. It's a picture of God, remember? This is what we're supposed to see when we see God. If we have seen the Son, we have seen the Father, and he gets up from his place of honor, takes off his robe, and is there to serve. Imagine being there. Imagine just being with the disciples the disciples already know he's God. John tells us in chapter 6, um, Peter, Simon Peter says, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life, and we have believed that you, and have come to know that you are the Holy One of God. They've already established he is the Son of God. And here he is, washing everyone's feet in the room, and now it's your turn. Verse 5, then he poured water into a basin and began to wash the disciples' feet and to wipe them with the towel that was wrapped around him. He came to Simon Peter, who said to him, Lord, do you wash my feet? Jesus is going to see Simon Peter with the dirt and the filth that is on him. Jesus sees us with the dirt and the filth that is in us. He sees us at our worst, 
How do you feel? Things around this table are starting to get real. Just remember, it's a group of guys that are having dinner together. There's probably a lot of banter going on, a lot of laughter, some teasing. I'm sure it was quite superficial. They'd had several glasses of wine by now. At the guys' breakfast, when you go out together, I'm sure there's a lot of banter, a lot of laughter. Yeah. You show up with your best side. You don't just bowl up and start to tell everyone all your issues and reveal your weaknesses. Gwil's laughing. Maybe you do, Gwil. <laughs> <laughs> but here with Jesus, in the middle of this guy's meal, in the middle of the banter and the laughter, suddenly it gets really deep. Anyone else dread those kind of conversations? I don't know about you. I enjoy light banter. I like superficial. But all of us, who have been baptized, have come to the point where we've had to have this conversation with Jesus. All of us have come to the point where everything we want to keep hidden has got to come out on the table and we've got to reveal to Jesus who we are, darkness, dirt, sin, and all. Simon Peter is just not ready for this. He is not ready for the Son of God to touch him. Are you going to wash my feet? Jesus answered him, What I am going to do you do not understand now, but afterwards you will understand. I think we all know where Simon's coming from. This is the man that can always be relied upon to do or say the wrong thing. And I know every group of friends has one of those. God saying, I want to meet you at your worst, Simon. I want to see you at your weakest, not at your best. I want to see you when you're not full of bravado and laughter, but when you're hurting and when you're struggling. Simon says, in ver um, Peter says in verse 8, Peter said to him, you will never wash my feet. He's the one person who says out loud what everyone else is thinking. Have we ever said that to Jesus? Maybe not consciously we've said no to Jesus, but by our actions, we don't believe that Jesus is God and our actions say it. Don't touch me. You will never wash my feet. Stay away from me. Maybe you're happy to keep God as that cartoon figure because it's comfortable then. Verse, the second half of verse 8, Jesus says, Jesus answered him, If I do not wash you, you have no share with me. Jesus is saying today, if I do not wash you, you will have no part with me today. Simon Peter in verse 9 says to him, Lord, not my feet only, but also my hands and my head. He's done a complete U-turn. 
You can almost hear the other disciples rolling their eyes at this point. And Jesus is saying, I need a relationship with you, Simon, that is not based on your strengths. We need a relationship with Jesus that is not based on how good we look, but on how unclean we are. Just like the disciples' feet, those parts that only I know need to be clean. It's easy to have superficial relationships that make us look good. But if we took off the mask, what would we look like? We spend our whole life trying to look good. We've built up a culture of trying to look good and judging others by how they appear. We've seen what it looks like even this week with Boris Johnson, Philip Schofield, Prince Harry, all of these men trying to look good whilst the world judges them and it doesn't work out well. The whole world will have an opinion on what we look like and they'll let us know loudly. The real question that we should have is, are we prepared or what does it look like to look bad in the presence of love rather than good in the presence of judgment? I'm going to suggest it will transform us. It'll wash away the fear, the anxiety, and the stress because finally we will be able to relax and find our true identity. Jesus is saying this morning, stop trying to look good in the presence of judgment. That's a life of pride. And if you don't pull it off, like Boris and Philip and Harry, then it becomes a life of despair. And it's exhausting to keep up the act. We need a wash. Jesus is saying we need a wash. Has anyone ever just wanted to take their whole life, put it in a washing machine and scrub it clean and start again? This is what Jesus is offering today. If I don't wash you, you will have no part in me, verse 8. This is what love looks like. This is what God wants us to see when we say, what does God look like? He is going to die the most dreadful death because this is what my dirt, my sin deserves. John wrote a letter later on in life. And in John 1 verse 7, he says, if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we will have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus, his son, will cleanse us from all sin. Jesus is offering to take the dirt and sin if we will turn to him. And he will take our pride and our despair and we will find what it means to truly be loved. Simon turns to Jesus 
and shows his sin and weakness and gives it to Jesus and Jesus takes it from him. Verse 12, when he had washed their feet and put on his outer garments and resumed his place, he placed his robes back on and took up his place of honor again. He said to them, do you understand what I have done for you? This is the heart of Christianity. Do we understand what Jesus has done for us? God doesn't need us to be good. He doesn't need good deeds. He doesn't need us to look good. He doesn't need us to be clean when we come to him. But when we truly understand what he has done for us, then we are willing to look bad in the presence of love. Verse 13 goes on. You call me teacher and Lord, and you are right, for so I am. If I then, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. For I have given you an example that you should, sorry, that you also should do just as I have done to you. Notice how Jesus doesn't say here, I have washed your feet, now you should wash mine. We can never pay Jesus back for what he's done, for the great love that he has shown us. Remember um, verse 1 of 13, having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end, to the very end. But we can share his love that we have found with others. And Jesus tells us to do that. Verse 16 and 17, truly, truly, I say to you, a servant is not greater than his master, nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him. If you know these things, blessed are you if you do them. The secret of a happy life is right here in these verses. You are blessed if you do them. Do you know what I have done for you? Drop the act. Stop performing. Look bad in the presence of love. Let Jesus take hold of your life and cleanse it for you. Let him heal you. Let him forgive you. Let him put you back together again and then pass it on. This is the secret to happiness. This is how to be blessed. What's the opposite of blessed? Cursed. Keep up the act. Never let Jesus touch your life. Never find forgiveness or healing. It's a choice. Louise and Sam have made the choice to get real today. Many of us have made the choice to be real, to be cleansed, in the, to be bad in the presence of love. We will see for ourselves with our own eyes just how transformational it is when we come to the point of looking bad in the presence of love. You won't be able to miss it. It will be all over their faces and it will be very present in the room. We're going to head down right now and see them get baptized.
But I would urge you, before we go, if Jesus has challenged you today, don't walk out of here without taking up that challenge and responding to the one who loves you and will love you to the end. Thank you.